This will be Love One Another Part 3. And the main focus of this series, and I will keep repeating this until the series ends, is concerning the social unrest because of racism and how we who are in Christ must live. It's not an option. This is how we must live. So this love one another is referring to how if you call yourself a child of God, if you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, this is how we must live. There are no options here. Okay, this is how we ought to live. So let's go again to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and we pick up at verse 25. 25 through 32. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 25. And the reading goes like this. Now he starts with therefore. Therefore is contingent of something that preceded what was said. What he's, what he's going to say, I'm sorry. So he said, verse 24, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That is putting on the image of Christ. Now because of that, therefore, this is what he's saying we have to do. Put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27. Nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with it with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necess- necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you have been sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So since we are putting on, on the new man, the image of and the image in the image of Christ and in the likeness of Christ, we are putting on this righteousness and true holiness. And as I said, that's a choice. He says here, verse twenty-five: Stop lying. Don't lie to one another. One one way we lie is when we say we're going to do something and we don't do it. That's a lie. If you do not keep your word, you are a liar. If you're gonna, if you say you're gonna do something, do it. It's better you say up front, I am, I'm unable to, I'm not willing to do it, I'm not going to do it. Then you say you're gonna do something and don't do it. You are a liar. Okay? I'm sorry, I've just been blunt. Alright. So don't lie to one another. When you give your word, keep it. Okay? Speak the truth. We depend on each other as far as the body of Christ is concerned. Why? He says here in verse 25, we are members one of another. We are part of the body of Christ. If the hand tells the the, the mouth 
I'm going to feed you nutritious things, and it gives the mouth the and but it's and it gives poison. What does the hand do to itself? The hand number one is lying to the mouth, and the hand eventually would poison itself because it's attached to the body. So if the hand puts poison in the mouth, the poison goes into the body, and guess what? Where the hand gets its nutrition from? The body. So the hand lying to the mouth, it's deceiving its own self. So he's saying here, when you lie to one another, you are members of one another. When you lie to one another, you're hurting the body. You're hurting each other. That's what he's saying. Don't lie to one another. Just speak the truth. We must be able to trust one another. I must be able to trust my brothers and sisters in Christ. And you all must be able to trust me. Because we are members of one another. We are part of the same body of Christ. We need each other. So lies should not easily roll off our tongues. Be careful of liars. People who like to lie. People with stuff just rolling off the tongue. Don't associate yourself with people like that. And if you know people like that who are Christians, you, you call them out on it. You call them out on it. Okay, control our anger. It says, verse 26, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. There is an, yes, it's okay to be angry, but don't get, get angry to the point where you lose control and you sin. Okay? We, we have, we have feelings. We get angry. We have emotions. But don't let your anger get out of control. Don't let it rule you. Okay? Anger is not an excuse to, to, to sin. When we are out of control, we open up ourselves to be taken advantage of by the enemy. That's what happens. That's when you see people accidentally kill somebody. Oh, I didn't mean to do it. It was in a fit of rage. Exactly. You were out of control. And because the consequence of that was somebody's life. Or the consequence of that is somebody being paralyzed or crippled or losing some part of their body or destroying somebody's house. That's a consequence of when you're out of control. That's a consequence. Alright? So we have to be wise and self-controlled so that we don't get robbed of living a fruitful life. The consequence of being out of control is that you're robbed of living a fruitful and a blessed life. Because you have to pay for your, for your sin. You have to pay for your uncontrolled behavior. There is a cost. It's not free. So that's what I say. You get robbed of living a fruitful life. How many people are incarcerated for doing things that are wrong, for, for committing crimes or sin? They get robbed of their freedom. How does it affect their family and so forth? There are consequences. And the whole point of the enemy is to get you so caught up in your own stuff and your own self that you cannot focus on what God has in store for you. Your hopes, your dreams, you're distracted from your purpose. And we also distract other people from their purpose when we are so caught up. And the consequence of what we have done and what we have said, the consequence of it not only causes 
harm to others, but it also distract others. So there is a there is a what a domino effect to our behavior. So we have to have self control. I'm not saying we don't get angry. I get angry, but I also have to keep that in check. The Bible says, "Be angry and do not sin." It's not a license to sin. Instead of trying, it talks about in verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. That him is talking about the enemy. Stealing your hopes, your dreams. Stealing your potential. When you are out of control. When you're self-centered and self-seeking. You get robbed of your destiny. You get robbed of your purpose. You get robbed of your blessing. So it says here, when keep have self-control. Don't let him who stole... Don't let them steal anything else from you. Don't let them rob you of your blessing. Don't let them rob you of your, your relationships with your husband, your wife, your kids, your grandchildren, your cousins, your family. Don't let them rob you. When people are, are, are not talking to each other, when people are separated, you're being robbed. And you're allowing the enemy to rob you. You see, that's how we, we get robbed in our relationships. Alright, you're allowing it to happen when you're being stiff-necked and hard-hearted. Okay, so it says, don't let him steal from you. Rather, let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give to who has a need. In trying to, you know, hey, in trying to, instead of trying to scam people, <laughs> alright, scam your way through life. Do honest work. And take care of yourself and also help others. Do good. Don't try to take shortcuts. Do what's right. And be willing to help others in need. That's what he's saying here. Don't try to scam. When you try to scam and, and manipulate, you're being robbed. You're being taken advantage of by the enemy. You're being robbed. You can't sleep at night. You don't know if the cops going to come and knock on your door. Because you, you have a scam running. You're always hiding. You're always trying to, 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 to dodge this and dodge that. But when you're doing what's right, when you're working doing what's honest, you've got to put your head on the, on the pillow and you sleep fine. Because you know you're living an honest life. And when you're in a position to help others, help. Verse 29. Oh my goodness. Let no corrupt Word or communication proceed out of your mouth. Now, if we are a child of God, if we are children of God, and we say we love Jesus, we shouldn't be cutting people down and cutting people up. But what we should be saying is what is good, what will edify people, what will build people up, what will help people to fulfill their purpose, what will help people to fulfill the call on their life, what will help people... To, to, to recognize their purpose and edify the body of Christ. That's what we should be out about. About con encouraging people in the faith. Encouraging people to do what's right. That's what we should be about. Okay? Control our tongue. Let our words edify. And encourage the hearers. Okay, that's what it's saying here. That it may impart grace to the hearers. That's what he's saying. And I'd like you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6 verses 16 through 19. I want to show you this. And I might talk more about this later. 
Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16. The word of God says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, they're things God, God hates. Number one. Yes, no, I mean, yes. Seven are an abomination to him. An abomination means a thing that causes disgust or hatred. The seventh is thing that just totally disgusts God. Alright. Verse 17. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. A false witness who speak lies. And number seven, and one who sows discord among brethren. A person who causes division among brethren. That is a, to he is absolutely disgusted with that. And we also should be disgusted with people who cause division among people, among the brethren. We should be disgusted with people like that. But he hates people with pride. He doesn't like, he hates people with pride. He hates liars. He hates hands that shed innocent blood. And that can be anything that's said or done that influences people, that does things that cause others to get hurt or killed based on what that person says or does. They don't have to necessarily do it themselves. They just have to say the word and cause somebody else to do it. That's he's talking about. Hands that shed innocent blood. The person that's the cause of it and the person that carries it out. God hates that. A heart that devises wicked plans. Your motive, your intent is to manipulate, deceive people so that you can have your own way. That's a wicked heart. That's a heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. Anyone who's quick to get the dirt. Anyone who's quick to go and join those who are doing wicked, doing evil. He don't like people like that. He hates that. A false witness who speaks lies. That's again a lying tongue. But someone who slanders somebody. You go and you say things about people you know aren't true. But you're saying it to destroy that person's character. That's what he's talking about here. False witness. Somebody who's going and say this is what this person said or this is what's their intent when it was not true. That's a false witness. And I'm one who sows discord among brethren. I wanted to get that in for a reason. Because I'll touch on it a little bit here and going forward. We as brethren in Christ, when he, Jesus says love one another, these things ought not to be named among any of us. We shouldn't be accused of lying. We shouldn't be accused of pride. We shouldn't be accused of causing harm to people. We shouldn't be accused of having a forked tongue or having hidden agendas. We shouldn't be accused of being quick to get ourselves mixed up in drama. We shouldn't be slandering people or saying things against people. And we most definitely shouldn't be causing division 
among people, among the brethren. Because verse 31, Jesus, the, the word of God says here, let all, well now verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When you do these things, you grieve the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit will try and prompt you that what you're doing is wrong. Your conscience starts bothering you. But once you cut it off and you said, I am going to ignore what the Spirit is telling me. You have grieved the Spirit. And that same Spirit, when it says here, you are sealed for the day of redemption. When you are born again, you are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So if you could see in the Spirit realm, anyone who is sealed with that Spirit, there is something special about them you see in the Spirit realm. They have a seal on them. The enemy sees that seal. That this person is belongs to Christ. When you a seal is like a brand. When you brand cattle, that cattle says what? That this brand signifies that this cattle belongs to X or Y or Z, whomever. The seal of the spirit is like a brand. We can't see it, but in the spirit it can be seen. So that when the angels now coming to harvest, because it says the day of redemption, the angels now, we are identified by that seal. The Holy Spirit puts a seal on us that we belong to Christ. That we belong to God. So when the angels come to harvest, they see that seal and they know who to, to, who to, who to bring in and who to ignore. That's what it's talking about the day of the redemption. Because when we are changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, that's the spirit sees and that spirit, that's what happens. We identify and then we are changed. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So do not grieve the spirit. Because when you keep doing that, you run the risk of being cut off. And I go back to the scripture where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and my father is the vine dresser. The vine dresser prunes vines or cuts off vines that are not fruitful. We don't want to be cut off. If you keep ignoring the conscience, ignoring the spirit, you are going to be eventually cut off. People say when you're saved, you're saved forever. No. Walking in your salvation is a choice. Think about that. People can eat, eat one minute say I love Jesus and the next minute they can curse him. How many people, how many Christians now are walking away from the faith? For whatever reason, they're rejecting Christ. Think about that. There are consequences to how we live. There are consequences to what we listen to, to what, who, what we look at. The consequences. We cannot allow the enemy to keep stealing and robbing us. We have to control our tongue. We have to control our behavior. Because we don't want to grieve the spirit. Verse 31 it says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from us. With all malice. What is he saying? He said, Don't grieve the spirit. Put away bitterness. What it is that has you up at night? What has you 
upset, pissed off, angry. He said, put those things away. Release it. Give it to God. Give it to Christ. Let it go. Be anxious for nothing. Anything that has you upset, let it go. Because it will consume you and you will allow the enemy, you give place to the enemy to rob you of your joy. Put it away. Let it go. Put away uncontrolled anger. The screaming, the yelling, the cussing people out. Put those things away. We are not, we haven't, we are not wild creatures. Okay, put it away. If you are uncontrolled, have uncontrolled anger. You gotta look at yourself. Look at why are you like that? And ask God to reveal it to you. There is, there is something in you that's not right. There is something in you that needs to be healed. If you are a liar, there is something in you that needs to be healed. If you're a manipulator of people, there, you're, you're wounded. And the enemy knows the buttons to push. But we can't allow him to keep robbing us and robbing from us and stealing from us. We can't, as I said, we can't cut people down. We can't destroy people's reputation to make ourselves look good. And mark people who would do that. Mark people who are liars. Mark people who cut down people's reputation. What I see happening a lot these days. It's always happened, but I'm seeing it a lot. People will say things. They know it's not true. But the word has already come out of their mouth, and that word sows doubt in other people's mind. They already slander that person. Now it's up to the person who is slandered to prove what that person said was not true. People are very easily deceived. I'm seeing it. Even believers. But what's important, we have to know the heart of God. When you see people doing things like that, it's easy to believe them because you don't know the person that they're slandering. But I'll give you an example of myself. If people know me, really you know me, and somebody says something that's out of character for me, the people that really know me, that that slander is not true. Why? Because they know me. They know my character. They know my heart. But we have to be very careful of anyone who is cutting people down. I don't care who it is. But especially the children of God, we should not be doing those things. We shouldn't associate with ourselves with people who are cutting people down and slandering people. People who are telling lies. We should not be associating with those people. We ought to be speaking out against it. Alright? So we don't take advantage of one another. As it says here in verse 32, we have to be kind to one another, another, tender-hearted, forgive one another, remembering that Christ also forgave us. We have to be kind, tender-hearted, forgive people. That's the love one another. That's the heart of Christ. As Christ forgave us and showed us compassion and put was and, and is being patient with us, we also have to be the same with our, with our brethren. We should be quick to forgive others. 
We must do this if we want our prayers to be answered. If you're holding resentment, unforgiveness in your heart, don't get mad when your prayers are not, are not ha- answered. You are hindering your own prayers when you're not f- walking in forgiveness and walking in love. We do not want these things to happen. We want, when we pray, we want our prayers to be answered. In that, it proves to us that God hears us, but it also proves to the world that God is real and that our relationship with God is right. So loving one another is deeper than we can, than we can imagine. It requires a vulnerability. It requires a sacrifice. Opening up yourself to love somebody, forgiving people, requires us to be vulnerable. Because we were wounded. And it's easy. When you're hurt, the first thing a person wants to do is cover themselves. Put up a shield. Why? Because you don't want to hurt, be hurt anymore. But forgiveness, forgiving somebody who hurt you, that means you have to go, if possible, to that person and tell them, I forgive you. You open up yourself again. That person could cuss you out. But the thing about it is, you are doing what the Lord requires of you. You're showing compassion and mercy. Where it's not deserved. But it's not about whether the person deserves it or not. It's what is required. Because that's what Jesus did. We didn't deserve it, but he, gave, he showed us mercy and compassion. And he went on the cross to bring to pass what he said he would do for us. Even though we did not deserve it, he went on the cross and did it. Why? Putting our needs, what we need before his own needs, so that we now can come before the Father in his righteousness. This is the love we have to have for each other. We have to think about the well-being of our brother. And our sister in Christ. We have to think about the other person's well-being. This is not only about us. This is about the hand. The body of Christ. We have to make sure that every part of the body is love. Make sure that every part of the body feels valuable. Precious. Because every part of the body needs each other. They all need each other. Okay? Okay? So we have to be careful of what we do, what we see, how we think. It's about how we affect people's walk in Christ. We want to edify people. We want to encourage them in the faith. We don't want to do anything that will call pe- cause people to stumble or walk away from the faith. Say, no, well, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You all say one thing and you do something else. No, we are what we say and what we do must line up in who we say we are. We cannot be hypocrites. Hypocritical people cause do lose the trust of other people. When you're a hypocrite, you lose the trust of others. But when you're genuine in your motives, in your action, and in your thoughts, people can trust you because they know where you're coming from. They know you're not judgmental. They know you love them. They know you accept them for who they are and where they are. That's who Christ is. That's the mind of Christ. Christ didn't come to judge anyone. He came to save those who are lost. When he comes back, he comes back as a judge. 
But this is not the time to judge. This is the time to love people and forgive and be an example of the life that they should have and could have in Christ. That's what we are about. We are, we have the ministry of reconciliation. And that ministry is to live the life of Christ so that people can be moved from, snatched from darkness into light. So we ought not to do things to cause others to stumble. We will be held accountable. However, we have to speak up when we see sin, when we see people misbehaving and they call themselves Christian. We got to speak up. We got to call sin, sin. We got to speak up when we see people doing these things. And a person, and it says here, as I said in Proverbs, the seventh is an abomination to the Lord. Those who cause division, separation among the brethren. A person who causes division between brethren is an abomination to God. We do not want to be accused of this or any of those other deadly sins. We must walk in love, forgive, show mercy. But when we see these things, we must speak out against it and preserve the unity of the faith. Mark those who cause division among the brethren. Mark them. Those in the church and those outside the church. Number one, the people outside the church should not even cause, have any power to cause division in the church. That should not never happen. But the people in the church who are causing division, mark them. Mark the ones who are not unifying the brethren. The, the brethren. Mark those who are causing division. Because you do not want to associate with that type of people who are causing division. Because the, the Lord will judge that person. And that's not going to be good. I'm just, that's just a warning. Alright, so. I'm going to stop there. And I'll pick this up next week. Love one another. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about what that love is supposed to be. How we're supposed to conduct ourselves. How we're supposed to treat one another. Alright, so I'm going to stop there and we pick this up next week. And I hope you receive something today in Jesus' name.